everybody, welcome back to the Bughead Podcast. Today we have a special guest, Little Kevo 303. How you doing, dude? What's up? I'm I'm chilling. Alright. You uh you recently did a collaboration album with Gorshit. How'd that go? I mean I thought it sounded good. I was happy with it. What was the uh the process of putting that together? Uh some of the songs were yours, some of the songs were theirs, and then you had a couple collab tracks. Is that how it went? Yeah, um, the the EP was probably like uh I think we started talking about it in like early 2020 or like even 2019 and uh so pre-covid Yeah. And then so we always talked about it and then I think like we um like over covid we were swapping renoise files like passing so the two collab tracks we just like passed back renoise files um and did it all in renoise and then um the because uh, the the release was mostly facilitated by uh dove but on kitty on fire so i sent him some of my tracks and he kind of picked ones that he liked and I think Leon made two tracks, and then it just kind of came together that way. It's really like, I think Kitty on Fire really facilitated it. But then, you know, me and Leon collaborated on our end. Did they, uh, did they put out any physicals for that? Yeah, there's, uh, cassette tapes, I believe. There are. There's cassette tapes. Sold out yet? I don't know, I haven't checked, is it? Maybe. We'll see. Or, uh, I could bring up the band camp right now and we'll look. Ooh, okay. It might be. It might be. Um, not sold out yet. Edition not of two hundred. So it's like, you know, it'll probably sell out s- sooner or later. But you know, whatever. So, I'm happy with the tracks. You know what I mean? I think the tracks sound good and the art is cool. Bubble Tech, the art. So oh, I think Bubble that's Tech's so good. Been- to me following bubble tech for a little while and i like immediately recognized their style on your on your album cover that was a good pick yeah i think it was just um henrietta facilitated all that i didn't really do anything on that end of it cool cool so but it came out cool looking awesome uh so let's go back a little bit what were your introductions to electronic dance music and like how did you get into producing your own tracks in the genre do you have like a like an entryway point like a specific artist or maybe like a scene that really got you into it yeah when i was in high school i made chiptune music like with lsdj this is probably when i was like 14 or something um and i made chiptune and that was kind of cool but i kind of saw the end of the road with that and, like, you know, there's only so much you can do with LSDJ. And um, I kind of got into Venetian snares just, like, because I listened to a lot of, like, Degent music, like, um, yeah, yeah, like animals. Yeah, as, as <laughs> I was, I was like, uh, I wasn't really into Meshuga, but it was, like, animals as leaders and then um, okay. periphery and stuff was kind of, like, coming out when I was in high school, so... 
And I remember being like, wow, I wish there was, like, electronic music with, like, time signatures. And I think I just, like, Googled it and it came up to Venetian snares. And then, so, the transition from LSDJ to Renoise, like, figuring out that, like, reading Venetian snares interviews and, like, figuring out that Renoise was a thing. The transition from LSDJ to that kind of just, like, made sense to me. So I'd say it was really um, Venetian snares, probably. That's sick. Venetian snares is like a. That's a good pick. Oh, I've always just been like I still listen to that stuff, and I feel like it's um, I don't know, really just, it's really cool stuff. It's great. Do you want me to uh, go further with that, or? Yeah, you can go a little further along if, with that if you want. Yeah, continue up the timeline. Yeah. So then I was just like making beats in my like bedroom. And I remember the other, I was also really into Rusty. Like, so this was like, I was like living with my parents. I was like 17. And so like Venetian Snares, My So-Called Life and Rusty Glass Swords both came out like that kind of year. And um, I remember I would like sit in my room every day in Renoise and like spend hours like trying to remake Rusty tracks in Renoids and I was like I could never figure out how to get the energy I was like I was like how does how does he get the like the vibe so crazy in his tracks and then I would I would like read the interviews with him and he said that like I remember reading like Venetian snares and rusty interviews and they both said that they like found most most of their inspiration from DJing so I was like I guess I gotta become a DJ if I want to make tracks like this so I think from there, I just didn't, I moved to Boston at that point. So I think just, I just started going to parties and like and DJing and shit. And then just using the shit that I made in Renoise to DJ. Uh, and it kind of just came together from there. What were like the years that you were first getting into DJing around Boston? Um, I was probably like... I remember, like, I had, like, I was probably, like, 18 and 19 when I first started getting, like, I would just DJ, like, techno and stuff, just because that's, like, what I could find, and, like, Mm -hmm. like, those are the parties that I could figure out that were happening, um, so, yeah, that was, like, um, that'd be 10 years ago, so it was, like, um, 2013, 2014, probably, what was the electronic music scene in Boston like around then? I mean, there's things that it, it was... Like, I went to see... I got to see Rusty tour for Glass Swords in 2013. And so it's always kind of, like, existed. Like, there's always been, like... I don't know. Like, are you... Are you are, where are you based out of? Do you, like, know I'm anything like about Boston? I'm, like, 30 minutes out of Boston. I'm over near France. Oh, oh. Oh, yeah. okay. So you kind of know, like... So, like, there was, I would go, like, the Middle East and shit, and then, like... Gotcha. Um, eventually, I started going to, like, I go to Elements, like, all the time. I started going to Elements at Phoenix Landing, and um, we used to spin techno at, like... My friend Will had this party called Scanners. It was, like, we would do it in the basement of Deep Thoughts, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about, yeah. Oh, you went to Scanners. You ever been that to that? I, I no, I, I know where uh, I know where, I know what Deep Thoughts. Anyway, so we used to throw these crazy parties in the basement of Deep Thoughts, or my friend did, and then he would like let me spin sometimes, like as a, as a as a novice DJ, and um, like you know, 
Zuzu and shit like that and like Edinburgh Street you know um so I'd say um and it was but the thing that is that I remember like trying to throw break core parties like in like 20 ah dude like 16 17 18 kind of and like nobody gave a shit and it was like there was no palette for it but now like after covid it's like we can actually do shit with like like flying out fucking gore shit or like 99 jakes and then like being able to like even just being able to sell out i feel like now we can like it's pretty easy for us to sell out a room for like a hundred people like a little thing like for a hundred people like like i feel like i could never do that like in 2016 so i think that it's changed a lot since i like started getting into it like it's just fucking techno and dog shit and like drum and bass was the coolest thing which I, I, I love drum and bass but you know what I mean there's like mm. no palette for like hard there's no like speed like core or anything gotcha how'd you uh how'd you first start working with or getting involved with uh, 909 worldwide oh yeah so um me and Jade played a show in Vancouver and like 2019 and i think that i just met her through that and then um i don't know i think we just became friends after that and then so i was kind of, i feel like i was in involved kind of lightly for like probably like 2019 up until like last year 2020 and then i flew mm-hmm. her out for a show we did in boston and i feel like I've kind of been more involved with the crew since then and you know now we can do these like crazy parties in New York and shit hell yeah you did that uh that recent 909 Boston show at uh was that at Cantab yeah did you go no I I couldn't I was working that night yeah uh man it was sick you should've yeah it it was a it was a fucking good ass time I wish I could have made it. Yeah, Cantab's a cool little room. It's fun. I've been to a couple other shows down there. Sadly, couldn't make it to that one, though. Yeah, it was sick. Um, yeah. Let's see. Yeah. What are some like exciting things that you think are happening within electronic music around Boston and New England right now? For me, um, I think pretty consistently Elements is my favorite thing to go to. Uh, elements and... Um, pole position like i go to elements probably i'm not gonna say i go every week but like do like fucking skepticals playing at elements next week that's fucking that's like it's that's insane it's crazy that's that's happening in boston um like i love i think that the fact that there's a space where you can see like world-class like sub bass designers play on like every week is is um it's a blessing to be able to just like go to a space and be able to listen to it and um you know shout out to uh my boy replicator doing the cantab pull position it's always a good time at cantab and uh 
Yeah, shout out to Lenore and Furious of uh, Elements. But other, other than other than that, I'd say in New England, like I kind of just when I'm in Boston, I kind of just work, and I don't really go out that much. Like, I, you know, I mean, I guess in New England, like you know, New York has like, I love playing shows that like you know we just did the show at Market Hotel, which was fucking crazy, and you know, I think. Market Hotel and Trans Pecos are cool venues. Like Trans Pecos, I've, uh, I've been hearing a lot about Trans Pecos. I haven't been able to make it out to New York in like a long time, but I, I have some friends who have like played at Trans Pecos. It seems like the spot right now. Yeah, um, I I was lucky enough to be able to play there twice last year, and like I think the sound system is terrific, and it's just. And it's the kind of place where it's like I think the cap is two hundred or something. So like when we did when I did the shows with Lexi Jacks, like the Cloud Nine Nine and the Adrenodome, mm-hmm. it's like you can pack the fucking place out with two hundred kids, and the vibe is just like, like it's just crazy because you can just like pack it out, and then the 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 shit has a great sound system, and the, it's just a good ass vibe. Oh um, yeah. But uh, just a note on the on the Trans Pecos, like, I remember going to fucking Trans Pecos 10 years, like, when I was getting into music, like, you were mm-hmm. asking me before, like, when I was 18, I remember going to Trans Pecos, like, someone I knew was, like, DJing in the basement of Trans Pecos, um, which they don't even do anymore, I went, th- when I went there, I was like, do y'all still do stuff in the basement, and they were like, the girl at the door was like, I don't even know, we did stuff in the basement, so, but I remember going there. And the top, the upper room, I remember there was, like, a house DJ. I remember walking in the room and being like, man, like, they'll never play fucking break court a venue like this. Like, we'll ne- And then, like, here we are, fucking 10 years later, like, 909 Worldwide, like, sold out the fucking show. And there's, like, kids standing around the corner all night. Like, times have fucking changed, and it's fucking, I love it. Hell yeah. What are some other venues that you uh, that you enjoy playing at? Whether here or in New York or anywhere else you've performed at, um, I really like playing in Portland, Oregon. Uh, shout out to John Penpoint and Norm Corps and all the homies out there. There's a lot of I got too many of too many people's names to list off that I love from Portland. Um, I always feel like. Uh, the crowds there are crazy. Like, that's the one place I've played where I feel like you can really play, like... Like, if you play in New York and shit, I feel like people... Nowadays, when I play there, it seems like people really want the hardcore. They want the gabber shit, which is fine. Like, I, hardcore is great, but I want to be playing footcore and that, like... And footwork and shit. And... Portland and, lets and, you play that? I mean, I'll play anyway in New York because I fucking want to. But the yeah. people just vibe to it harder in Portland because, I don't know, just like the Norm Corp sound is kind of built, seems like it's built off of the footwork stuff a bit. So I feel like I could really play that hard footcore shit and people are really like actually going in on it. That's and, sick. um, dude, it's fucking dope. I, we're, we're doing the party there. We're doing the Coachella party there in like two weeks and I'm, I'm so pumped. Like, um, yeah, there's this venue called the Watershed. Which I think is pretty sick. Um, there's like this um, third kilt sound system, which is like, 
I don't know, man. They get, like when last time I played there, they had this like, like you. There's like sound systems, but then you get these like Bumble Clark fucking like wooden cabinet type like homemade systems, like and, stuff like, for dub la- music. Yeah, like I don't know what were like the crew made the shit themselves, but it sounded so dope. Like that's um. So I love it when we can play on like. Like, it's cool having, like, the professional shit, you know, like, but I, I like, when you play on, like, those homemade systems, I think they sound so crazy. Um, so yeah, I'd definitely say, like, Portland is probably my favorite place in the States to play. Um, Have you played outside yeah. the States at all? Yeah, um, like, we've done a couple shows in Canada, which... I, which is technically outside of the states, but I personally don't consider outside the states because I feel like it's kind of just like I feel like Canada is kind of just like a line. Of I, the I sand guess outside then, of like the uh, the this continent, maybe. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I played in Tokyo like. Oh shit! What? Five years ago, I played CDR's Shinkusoi Core Party in 2018, and then. Um, I played twice in Istanbul at a place called Pixie. Um, so those were all, those were like, um, I'd say in Istanbul, there was this club called Pixie, which was really sick. Um, my friend Oscar ran the venue, which it sadly closed during COVID, but uh, super cool place. It was really um, interesting to be able to like, play some tunes in in the middle east it's like different kind of vibe out there and but people are still getting down to you know it's like you go out all the way out to a different part of the world but people still love fracture and Hell i yeah. feel like you know same thing in tokyo like this place this place called Dusa in shinjuku like all the way across the world and people still love fracture and more sounds and all that shit. So, those are like um, some. That, those are some sick places. Istanbul and Tokyo. I was not expecting either of those. I didn't know you played there. Yeah, I think before COVID, I kind of did more stuff like that, and then I haven't really traveled yeah. outside of the continent since that. But um, I'm actually going. I'm doing a Europe tour in October, so I'm kind of hoping like get back in the groove of like playing out, outside shows which i'm really looking forward to do you have any like countries that you haven't gone to that you're like you want to at some point or are like excited to in the future i worded that question weird sorry <laughs> no 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 no, no uh, it makes sense to me um and on october 20th i'm playing in berlin which i'm excited about because i've wanted to go to germany for a while I'm trying to line up some shows in France. Uh, I'd really like to go to France, man. The list is just like long as train smoke, man. Like, I could, I would love to go anywhere. Like, I remember when I played in, like, when I went to Istanbul. So, like, I had never even like thought of it as a place to go. But then after I went, I had like such a great experience. Like, after that incident, I would say. I'd be excited to play in any country I've never been to before because I think you can't really know about a place until you've been there 
no matter yeah, what you true. fucking read online, it's not you're never gonna understand the the real vibe until you really set foot there. So I would be, you know, anybody out who's listening who might be thinking about booking me another country, like hit me up. Um, I'd love to go anywhere. But yeah, um, really excited about going to Germany. I'm really excited about going to Leeds, England, to play with Gore shit. Um, and uh, yeah, dude, I want to go. We're trying to set up Glasgow. I want to go to Glasgow. Um, so many places, man. I'd love to go to South America, Chile, Brazil. I just love to travel, man. Yeah, I mean, I say I'm, I, I there's like so many places I'd love to go to. Let's get into like your your process for making tracks. How does a uh, how does a little Kevo track start out? Um, usually I kind of just it depends. Like sometimes I'll hear a like I'll hear a sample that I really like, and I'll be like, oh, like I gotta flip that sample, and then I'll kind of just like riff off of it. But however mm-hmm. it comes about, like the process kind of changed over the years. Like I could say in like. Maybe even, like, two years ago, I would do this thing where I would, like, make a track, like, almost every day, and I would always, like, finish the track within 24 hours, or, like, I think I said, like, 48 hours or something, like, and if I didn't, and then whatever I had after 48 hours, I would just say is done, and I would make a new Mm -hmm. one, and then I would just, like, go back to the folder after, like, a month or two and just, like, pick what I thought were, like, the best 10 ones or something, but... I kind of felt like that process was, it wasn't super efficient relative to like how happy I was with the tracks coming out. Cause I feel like I would end up with like a lot of tracks that sounded like crap or it was kind of just like, I don't know. It like took a lot of time, but kind of what I've been doing lately is I'll like make a track and then whenever I just stop feel like working on it, I stop feel like working on it. And then I just, I try to make it good enough that it's, like, able to be playable at a show. And then I just play it at a show, and then, like, whatever, usually I get the best ideas from that, because it'll be, like, I don't know, there's, like, a crazy crowd, and then you play the tune, and then, like, you're, like, oh, man, the bass should be sicker, or, like, the stab should be sicker, it should, like, like, this breakdown shouldn't be here, the breakdown kills the vibe, so... I've kind of gone to more of that process where I like take, I have like tracks and I have versions of the tracks and I update the versions. And then when I just feel like there's no more, I don't, when I feel like the track is done, it's done. But like, um, I feel like I have tracks now that I haven't put out, but I've been like slowly working on them for like a year or something. Yeah. Which, so I get, uh, so, but I feel like with this, with this way, I'm able to achieve like higher quality results. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the thing, the tracks go through a more, like, I don't know, like, scrutinizing process of, like, you know, and more vibe checks, do you know what I mean? I've been getting it, yeah. like, and, like, and I'm not just coming out with this, like, BS that sounds like shit, so. Yeah. But, yeah, the I would say the vibe now is, like, coming up with drafts and demos in the studio and then, like, playing them out and then, like going off of like the reaction and then like and then just like making your revisions of those yeah that seems like a pretty good process if you're playing a lot you just get to 
test it out and like really hone it in until it's perfect until you get the exact reaction you want out of the audience that seems like the best way to go about it yeah it's a process it's taken me like a while it's taken me like years to get to the point where i feel like i can do it well mm-hmm. but i'm happy that i'm doing it like this now um that being said i also like sometimes i make tracks in like a day and then people like those tracks the most because they're like the most cohesive and like all the decisions are made in the moment and but it's weird but um yeah just always trying to do new things and try different things like that my i might not i might have a totally new process in a year or two you know yeah okay i hear you do you uh Do you tend to see yourself, like, agreeing with the crowd's reaction every time? Or do you sometimes go against the crowd's reaction uh, nah, sometimes based on your I'm, own Sometimes I'm against... It depends, like... I feel like... Like, sometimes the crowd is good and, like, that's the best. Or, like... Because I feel like if people are in the mood to party and shit, like... Like... And the right people came to the party or I got booked for the right party, like... People are gonna like this shit I'm gonna play. Like, you can't say no to just some, like, some fucking hardcore kicks and some break beats, you know. But sometimes I feel like I drop the beat and it's sick, and then people are just like, not. Dude, I played, um. I mean, this isn't my beats necessarily, but I played Elements last week, and I played this. If anybody wants to know what the track is, I played this, like, face remix. PHAC of this of like the Skrillex Flowdown track and I dropped this shit and I think the drop is crazy it sounds it sounds like totally nuts and this dude was stopped dancing on the dance floor and stared at me at the venue and like I was like and like like he was pissed that I played the track and I was like but I would I thought the track was sick I was like yo fuck this dude like so you know it happens like you make a f- yeah. you drop you drop some hardcore shit and someone's not into it. I think it's funny sometimes. Like drop some real fucking crazy shit and everybody gets off and like people aren't into it. I think it's funny. You're just ahead of your time. They're gonna they're gonna be fucking with it in like a couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> maybe 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 that's what you can tell yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I'm fu- like if I like it, and I'm fucking with it. Like, I mean, I want I I'm trying to hype the crowd up, but like. If I'm fucking with it, that's kind of the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Do you have, like, a, uh, a process or, like, certain places that you look for samples? Oh, I don't... I mean... I'll, like, a couple of the... A couple of them that I have in mind is just, like... Dude, I love going to record stores. Going into fucking dollar bins and finding, like, the dirtiest fucking record. And just playing it and just, like... Yep. Like, dude, I, like, dude, I have this, I have this tune I'm working on with this, I've got this fucking showboat, like, 10 inch from, like, 1950, and it sounds, like, fucking dumb as shit, but I don't know, I just pulled one little lick off of it, and it sounds, so, yeah, you know, I know that's, like, classic hip-hop kind of thing, but I love, you know, the vinyl digging is, like, will never get old, I think there's so much material that's, like, forgotten about basically to the modern ear like dude crates and crates of just like old fucking r&b and shit that sounds dope that like 
you never heard of and then like most people in their life of listening to music on spotify will like never hear so um yeah crate digging but honestly man anything like i'll fucking i'll be at work and there'll be some like pop song on the on the spotify playlist and i'll just be like that's a sick vocal hook and i'll just go home and download the song and flip it like if if it catches my ear like I'll sh- I'll just like anything that catches my ear, man. I'll just sample. I don't I don't give a shit. Hell yeah. Um. But. But no. But besides the vinyl thing, I'd say there's no particular process. It's just you know me f- hearing things in my as in my life. You know as I live my day to day life. So, uh, I feel like I should have mentioned this earlier. I've seen you live before. I saw you when you opened for, uh, Machine Girl at, I think it was Crystal Ballroom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How was opening for them? I thought you, I, I really enjoyed your set. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you dig it. That show was, like, extra crazy. I think that's, like, the first time, like, I played for that many people. And, um, in retrospect, I feel like... I wasn't super happy with this set. I think it could have been better. Um, but, um, I don't know. It was, like, fun to play for that many people. And, like, I don't know. Uh, Matt and Sean are super cool people. And I think their their fans kind of bring the right vibe. So, yeah, that show, that show was a blast. Do you have any other artists that you would, uh, you would love to do a show with that you haven't yet? Oh, I mean, I I'd, I want to play with Venetian Snares. I want to play That'd with be, um, sick. Yeah, I mean that's the obvious one. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I like like I've always been a big Square Pusher fan, but someone told me they saw him recently and they didn't like it that much. I don't know, but like obviously it'd be sick to play with Square Pusher. Um, I'm trying to think of maybe people who aren't just like old legends or whatever, but like um people like in our scene uh uh people that i haven't played with yet uh, i don't know pedal supply i feel like i've been kind of hearing her stuff and it sounds cool and it's like I feel like it's a matter of time before there's like a nine oh nine show with her on it or something. Uh, but honestly, like I like it's cool doing that stuff. But I, I kind of I'm always just looking forward to like playing with the homies. Like I can't wait just like playing with Jade again or you know I can't wait to go out to Portland and just play with the nine oh nine crew out there. You know. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I, I guess you're, really you're, you're going to have the best time with the people you already know. Yeah, I mean, it's fun the to meet pe- new people, but, like, yeah. I kind of like, I like, I like play, playing with the homies is the best. All right. Um, so you've used Shintaro Kago artwork on a couple of your projects. Are you a, are you a big fan? Yeah. Or do you have any I mean, other, his... like, oh, yeah, you go first. <laughs> Oh, are you, are you going to finish that with something? 
Uh, I was going to try to, but yeah, I guess ahead, the majority ahead. of the question go, is go. out. Just, do you have any other um, manga artists that you're a big fan of? Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm walking over to my room to my, um, my like, collection of uh, books. Yeah, um, I, uh, big, I love, love Kago. Um, just for the record, I did pay him for those. Like, that's official, like, collaboration. Um, oh, shit. That's sick. I would never bootleg something. Like, I would bootleg, like, Pikachu or some shit, but I wouldn't bootleg, like, indie stuff. But I, I paid him for those. Like, all the merchandise I do is, like, official, like, that I bought that shit from him. Um, and then That's thing, sick. That's one of my yeah. favorite, too, so. Yeah, um, so... Yeah, um, and then the Kazuki Takamatsu stuff was the same thing. Like, I talked to his agent, and, like, we figured it out, like... Um, I'm, I like, so he, that's who did my other two, um, When Can I Die and Open Store Season. Um, really big fan of his stuff too. Um, the one, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a kind of in that kind of realm of like the Japanese fucked up shit, you know, um, Sahiro Maro and, um, but my all time favorite is the Toshio Seiki stuff. I'm not, I've always kind of thought it'd be amazing to use his artwork for something, but, um, I think he, he passed away a few years ago, so I'm not really sure how easy it would be to, like, license his work now that he passed away, like, that's always kind of been, like, a pipeline, I don't know if you're familiar with his stuff, it kind of looks like the Japanese woodblock, woodblock paintings, but it's, like, super fucked up. Uh, what's his name? Toshio Saeki. Oh yeah, um is this the Shoujo Subaki guy? Um no, that's Suhiro Maro. But I'm also a big fan of that stuff. I actually I actually tried to get Suhiro Maro to do something and he like I like talked to him over email and he was like, "Yeah, well we can do it, but you have to pay me through my like Japanese bank." And then I just like he never responded to my email after that, but I tried. But yeah, um, I would say uh, maybe I was like really into that stuff like three or four years ago. I've kind of been like less on that kind of tip lately. Like I'm kind of looking for art for the new, for my new material. And I'm like, I was actually thinking about the other day. I'm like, I love Kago and everything, but I kind of like want to use something that's like not Japanese. Cause I feel like I've done that so many times now. Um, like, I was do you have just, any like. Do you have any American artists that you would want to either pull from or, like, directly hire to do album art? Um, yeah, I mean, I did the one, I did, my last thing was Sarah Tynes, which is, like, she's super cool. Um, I would work with Sarah Tynes again. Um, I don't know, it's a good question, because I enjoy, like, visual arts, but I'm, like, Ah, it's kind of been a debate with me lately because but I have a hard time finding like artists and I think their stuff is sick because I prefer to buy work outright than do commissions because whenever I've tried to do commissions it's like it ends up being like it's like it's usually like expensive and then they don't really like do it right somehow like I'd rather just, like, have someone's, like, works, and then I, like, buy the rights to work. Like, that's what I did with the Kago stuff. Like, yeah. That was stuff he already did, and, like, 
like you can commission him to do stuff but like i was like i feel like i want to i want his vibe like and that's his vibe you know like yeah so i don't know i'm like i don't know i'm i'm looking for new artists and I don't know. It's kind of a it's a it's a point of uh, interest for me right now. I'm like I wish I had an answer. If I had an answer for you, I'd be like, actually, I would take that back. I have one person I really want to work with. Um, it's this dude Dragon seventy six from New York, and I keep trying to DM him, getting him to respond to me, and I can't get a response from him. He's like this graffiti artist out of New York, and his stuff looks fucking sick. But I like I've emailed him and I've DM'd him and I can't get a response from him. But um, yes, that's my answer. Dragon is Dragon seventy six. Or if anybody has any ideas, they can like DM them to me because I'm looking for some. I need some gas album art. You should. Uh, I don't know. I draw. You should hire me. <laughs> hey, you can send me some stuff if you you know send me some stuff. I I will. I'll I'll send you my portfolio. I'm not amazing, but I maybe send it over. We'll we'll take a look. Oh shit! I'm out of questions that I wrote down. I wasn't expecting to do it tonight, so I, I uh, normally I like have like a big list of questions. What what are you working on right now, or what do you have coming um, up like soon? For shows or like releases? Uh, shows releases. Let's go with like releases more so because this is going to come out after some of the shows have already happened, probably. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm just working on new material. Um, I want to do like an, a release, maybe like 10 tracks or something this fall. I have like, kind of what I was talking before, like my process, I have a lot of tracks that are like 70 or 80% done. I'm just, with this release, I really want to like take my time and try and really like make them like really shine out and like have a full vibe so um i'm kind of i'm hoping i can just play these demos that i have out and just figure out like how to make the tracks like you know be their best versions of themselves um and that release i'll probably i'm hoping that'll be like i'll self-release it and then we'll do physicals with 909 worldwide i'm excited for that that'll be sick uh yeah i'm pumped i'm like i'm uh yeah i'm like working on the tracks every day is there any uh is there any kind of change or or theme that's different from your previous work that is going to the new one yeah um so uh I have this new co I have this new job that I started um this past like in the past nine months and I have this new coworker and he's like he's previously of like an an engineer um he's like he knows a lot um shout out to Rick that's what I'm talking about um kind of previously when I like mixed down and made all my stuff I was doing it on like KRKs at like with like really close to my ears and I feel like my mix downs were kind of something like dog shit but um anyway so my new friend kind of has helped me get into like uh set up in my studio in a new way I have these like new monitors um 
that are like giving me better perspective on my mix down so i'm hoping that like with my new shit i'm hoping that like the the overall mixing and then like um quality of the mix downs and the engineering is just a bit higher i'm hoping that they just sound a bit more they shine through on speakers more and it's just something i'm trying to focus on that i haven't really done as much with my old stuff yeah i just i have some some different gear this time and yeah is this going to be a, a primarily break or break core or like hardcore project Do you have one genre that it's leading more towards um, if, if I was going to describe it in like, uh, it's going to be a mix of 194 and 222 BPM. All the time signatures are going to be time signature of four, um, fast breaks, big bases, um, lots of like vinyl samples as well as like euro dance samples um sick yeah i've been like hanging out because it's like whenever i hang out with 99 jakes she's always like playing like happy hardcore and shit and it's kind of been rubbing off on me so maybe a little more kind of like happy hardcore vibe than my old stuff um super saws not like a ton but um that's kind of what this stuff sounds like and like yeah a lot of i've been doing a lot of vinyl samples and I mean, we, we should end it off on like a fun question or something uh sure so we went over some like japanese artists that you like do you have like a specific top five manga at all that you can think of or maybe just like a couple off the top of your head like comics yeah i don't know if you're into the comics at all if it was just oh you know what I've only, like, I've only been into, like, the hardcore art books. I would oh, say shit, the last, really? the last manga I read. Yeah, I, like, when I was a kid, I had, like, some of the Naruto books. I mean, that was, like, you know, like, when I was 10 or something. But um, I just, I have, I like, found... a collection of the art books. And, um, yeah. yeah. I just, I, I mostly found out about uh, Shintaro Kago through dementia 21 his comic so i just made the assumption uh, i'm trying to think how i found out about cargo how did i get into it i think i got into it because oh yeah the way i got into it is like um venetian snares uses uses all the trevor brown artwork for his early stuff mm-hmm. and there's a site called akataco it, it's a u.s it's like a it's like a a reseller of Japanese art books based in the U.S. So you can like just sell. It's like buying just like imported shit, and then but they do like licensing with artists. So it was like they have a whole. They have like kind of like a um, a wheelhouse of artists, if you will. And Shintaro and I just I think I just found gotcha. it through that that site. I was just like looking through all the artists, and I thought that the Kago stuff was crazy. Um, yeah, I found out about him because I'm into, like, indie comics. Interesting. So, we, yeah. we, we I guess we're, we're fans of the same artist, but we came at him from at, from two different scenes. That's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I just have, like, I have, I just have a good, I have a stack of, like, 
I can send you a picture. I just have like a stack of art books in my bedroom. Give me a uh, give me an art book recommendation. What's your favorite one right now? Um, yeah, my favorite one is I have to look at um. I have a couple of the um. Hold on, I'm I'm opening it up to make sure I I'm going through my collection. I'm opening up to make sure I give you the um. Right name. To give you my my proper recommendation. Yeah, it's this one, um, Yume no Zoki by Toshio Seiki. Probably my favorite. Alright, do I have to check that out? Yeah, all of the, I would say all of the, like, proper Seiki stuff is, like, Prime. It's like really um. Unlike other stuff I see, where it just seems like fucking corny, um, like the psyche stuff is really like raw. It just seems like like no boundaries. Like, and it's like I I can't think of anything else that I like have looked at that doesn't is like boundless in that kind of way. Where it's like, dude, he doesn't give a shit. Like, if like about. I mean, whatever, this shit came out in, like, the... Dude, I forget what year it came out. It's, like, 70s or 80s or maybe before that. But, like, I don't know, man. Just, uh, real boundless. It's great stuff. Alright, I'm excited to kind of, like, get into that a bit more. I'm gonna go down that rabbit hole at some point soon. Yeah, try and get some of the Toshio Seiki, like, hardcover books. I think those are, like, the prime ones. I mean, the, um... And the uh, Takato Yamamoto stuff is great. And um, just check out that site, uh, Akataco. It's like got a lot of good stuff on there. All right, I will. Um, do you have any anything else you want to say before we start winding down, or yeah, when you, you want to shout out? Um, when you when you add the part about like my new works, um, yeah. I have this new synth, the Waldorf M, mm-hmm. um, and it sounds dope, and I'm using it a bunch. So maybe you can just oh, like, okay. edit that and put it in there, or don't if it sounds really weird. I just thought I'll try and it, fit like, it in wherever after. it works. No, you're good. Yeah. It'll get in there somehow. Um, yeah, I, this like this Waldorf wavetable synth. It's just like crazy. I can't. It's like I thought I liked subtractive synthesis until I got this, and then I'm like, I realized that I don't, I don't even know if I like subtractive synthesis that much. Um, what exactly is in, uh, subtractive synthesis? Just like, um, like kind of traditional like sawtooth square wave into a low pass filter, amplitude envelopes. Gotcha. And the likeness. It's a classic stuff. Sounds great, but I. But I like, the, but the wavetables I think are better. All right. Anything else you want to shout out? Shout outs. Um. Nine nine worldwide. Shout out Hell to yeah. Jade, Tony, Lexi, Justin, John Penpoint, Mandy, Coin, Armand, Maggie. 
Kuma, Lenore, Marianne, uh, Buckcliffe, and um, yep, sorry if I forgot about you. That's my shout out list. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to the Bughead Podcast. Thank you for coming on tonight. Uh, and we'll catch you next episode. Peace.